have I got a story for you. It starts just two and a half hits of acid, involves stripping naked and then hiking, assaulting a rotten tree stump to save the forest from a cancerous forest, transforming into a beast. Holographic shields and trying to find his car keys the next morning. Yep, that was only one of a couple of stories shared by this guest. But first, a word from today's sponsor, AndrePsyche.com. AndrePsyche.com is going to be that cute, quaint, corner store boutique with all sorts of neat and original merch you had no idea existed. Most people go website to website, sale to sale, screen to screen, searching for something new. Well, my friends and listeners, let me save you a little time. Thanks to Wi-Fi and 5G, all you got to do is head on over to AndrePsyche.com for a bunch of creative items that you have never seen before. We are talking about literature, clothing, paintings, prints, accessories, music, poetry, or, best of all, any sort of custom gift that your soul may desire. Andre, after all, is a freelance creator extraordinaire. So go to AndrePsyche.com and just let your spirit guide you. Trust your gut. Because each and every item has a story behind it, and one of them is going to speak to you, at least. You may hear several of them if you take a couple of hits like our guest today. <laughs> Remember, nothing is made. Everything is created on AndrePsyche.com. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You Pod. Please, do us a favor. Take a moment right now and push the subscribe or follow button if you're on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever. And if you have time, and we know you do, you're listening to a podcast. If you listen to podcasts, you have nothing but time. Please rate and review the pod, especially if you're on Apple. And if you have not already, friend and follow the pod on our social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Search us up. It's getting the number two. No, the letter U, pod. And finally, we are looking for more sponsors. If you or someone you know has a business or brand, much like Andre, and would like to expand your market globally, please consider partnering with us. We get to know people from all around the world. We've been downloaded in up to 24 countries at this point and the majority of the states in the USA. We are fast approaching 1,900 downloads at the time of this recording. So, if you or someone you know are looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your product, more clicks on your whatever, just message us. Our sponsorship rates are extremely reasonable, and we would love to partner with you. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you, getting to know all about I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you, putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely and doggone it. my cup of tea. On today's show, we are getting to know Antonio. Antonio coming to us from the state of Colorado, right? Yes, sir. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, scheduling this. And um, looking forward to get to know you, man. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I think you're actually the first guest from Colorado. I've had uh, a couple on from Kansas, but I've been reading this book. I actually just finished it, Empire of the Rising Sun, about the Comanches. And the way that they describe the land out there, man, I'm in Delaware. The way they describe the land being like oceans is um, it's mesmerizing. It makes me want to like just do a road trip, to be honest with you. Yeah, I was, uh, <clears throat> this is my third time in Colorado and oh, really? I was pretty much, uh, yeah, I was pretty much hooked the first time <laughs> and I, I was kind of, um, traveling around, like I spent some time in Texas and Wyoming and, uh, California and I just kept stopping through Colorado whenever I had the chance to work a little bit for a summer season or whatever. And, uh, um. Th- th- third, t- third time back this time, I was like, well, might as well just set up shop here for a little while and, and stay <laughs> since you keep wanting to come back anyways. You just had that spirit talking to you, huh? Yeah, especially like during the time the leaves change. It's oh, kind of like I you're bet. driving or walking around in an oil painting. It's oh. just beautiful. God, I couldn't imagine. So is it, is it all about just the space and the nature or are there other things to it that uh, appeal to you? Uh, just the vibe. It might be because everybody, you know, we, we just legal here. So <laughs> it may just, you know, everybody's much more laid back. There's really no stress. Uh, so that might be because everybody smokes or does edibles. But gotcha. So you, th- and then the, the, the scenery, the mountains and, uh, when you go on a hiking trail, it's just, you know, you're always on a gorgeous spot. Yeah. Right. It's view. It's, um, it, so I live again, Delaware, um, near to the beach and, um, summertime you would expect to just be able to enjoy the beach, but honestly it can get kind of a hassle cause it just gets so freaking packed, so crowded. And, um, I'm always interested when people view hiking like beachfront property, cause it's so much more expansive. There's just so much more of it. And it's, um, I guess like when I've been, you just never know what you're going to see. It's unique each time where the beach it's waves and ocean, basically waves might change, but I feel like hikes, there's way more variables and, um, a way more connectedness to nature. Yeah. I think especially if you're willing to go off trail and actually like explore a little bit for your surroundings, you'll probably, uh, encounter a lot more stuff and actually see things that a lot of people don't. Do you take uh, guns with you? I guess my paranoia would be uh, like bears or whatever. Yeah, I have. Um, I mean, it's good to have something, I guess, because you don't know if you're in bear country or mountain lion country or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's good to it's good to have something um, just just for like shooting it in the air at least to maybe make such a noise that it drives the bear off or something like that. Oh shit. I didn't even think about that. Have um, you ever had an experience where like an animal came up on you and you were a little shook, a little worried? A buddy of mine and when I was in Montana, we did a lot of hiking cause we were like a half a mile from Yellowstone park. So we went out quite a bit and one time we were out I think it was that time of year the bears were just coming out of the uh, hibernation mode. And there was still a little bit of snow on the ground. And uh, 
you know, we came up on this, up on this hill where you couldn't see anything, but it, you just got that feeling like uh, something wasn't right. Yeah. Like it, and it's we both kind of looked at it. No, I'm sorry, man. And what kind of sucks it, about, um, doing it this way, we can't see each other. Um, when I interject, which I, I guess maybe over interject, I tend to cut people off. Um, <laughs> so I apologize, but, but I was just going to say, when you said you got that sense, I've spoken to some people who've been on like naked and afraid, which is like a survival show. You have to go right. out and you have to hunt. And, um, it's amazing how the human body still has that sixth sense of uh, protection, even though we're like so domesticated and civilized. Yeah. See, it seems like the, the hair stands up and you're just like, Oh boy, something, something ain't right. Right. Um, but, but yeah, we were, we were coming up over this hill and we both kind of looked at each other and uh, we started like hollering out, Hey bear, Hey bear, just to let our presence be known. Hmm. And then we ended up, because there was still a little bit of snow on the ground, we uh, actually counted our footsteps when the whole event took, you know, took place. But as soon as we came up over the hill, it was a mama and her cub. Oh. And when we counted it out, it was 30 feet away. Where they, like and, you saw their prints? Or when they left? Yeah, you... from when we, uh, well, when we first uh, saw them. We counted out from there it was 30 feet gotcha. but um God, that's close. you know the mother and her cub ran a little bit and we stood up on tippy toes waving our arms around <laughs> and i i'm pretty sure if it would have been just one of us that somebody would have got attacked um i think that the fact that there were two of us it prevented that but what's uh, the bear's reaction yeah, he, like do they growl back is she like getting between you and the cub Cause you know, I mean, there's that saying, right? Like a bear mama, mama bear, nothing worse than a mama bear. Yeah. So she kind of like stood and let the cub run ahead of her. And then she looked back at us and we're, you know, waving our arms and getting loud. And, uh, she just gave us both a look and then turned around real slow and went after the, <laughs> went after the cub. Um, but my buddy pulled out his bear spray and ended up dropping it and sprayed him right in the face. And, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's like, awesome. man, I, he, he was shaking. He was shaking so bad. Dude, 30 uh, feet like, is so I, fucking I can, close. I can tell you. He's like, I can tell you it works. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a deterrent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So, it, and is the bear spray way like? Is it more potent than say pepper spray, or is it same potency? Any difference? Uh, I think it's supposed to be more potent. Okay. Um. I mean, yeah, he could tell you better than me. He experienced it. <laughs> yeah, I um, I was in the uh, National Guard, so when you go through basic training, you have to um, whatever fucking gas they put in this this room, you have to go in with your gas mask, make sure you know how to put it on, make sure it seals. And then you have to take it off and you just breathe in whatever it is, that gas. Um, and man, like I've never been to like the protests or anything like that, where I've been sprayed with pepper spray. I've never tried to assault a woman to be sprayed with pepper spray, but that feeling is like the most uncomfortable, helpless feeling I've experienced. Cause you just can't do anything about it, but suffer but just deal with the, like right. the, the weird itch 
and the snot dropping and it consumes you, you know, it consumes your entire attention. Um, yeah. So I, <laughs> what did he describe it as? That was it. Like how long did it last for him? Well, he, he was a mess probably for about an hour during the hike, uh, tried pouring some water in his eyes and stuff like that. Yeah. But, right. Um, yeah, he was, he, he was looking pretty, uh, pretty puffy for a while. <laughs> pretty puffy for a while. <laughs> he's a he's an ex he's an ex marine also so oh, uh, yeah you know he he could take a little you know a little punishment right um, oh yeah but... for sure yeah so if it's bothering him he's probably been through the same training if not worse you know what do you yes interesting was there uh there was a recent video of one of the protest guys getting maced in the face and then he turned around to the side took another drag off a cigarette and then uh he acted like it didn't even phase him at all but then he got slammed in the face with the tear cast canister so i think that finished it <laughs> not sure what happened to that guy but i haven't seen that i like how um i've seen a couple of the videos where they just start dumping the milk over their heads you know like bathing themselves right. in it for their face right. um i mean that shit's no joke but I'm curious, how big are you guys? Like tall wise, are, are you? Well, I'm just uh, five six. Um, oh shit! My buddy, my buddy, I think is uh, uh, five eight or something. Okay, so if the bear's charging, do you believe you're going to play dead? Are you a fighter? Because you definitely don't run, right? So either you like try to fight the bear with the spray, or you just play dead. From what I've heard. Yeah, I would probably just play dead. Um, I wouldn't try to engage the bear. I'd, I'd want nothing else than to make the bear think they won some victory. Just real quick, right? Go on with life. Yeah. Did, was that going through your head at all? Or was it just pure like adrenaline? Let me just scare this thing. Let me try to ornate some fear. Yeah, actually, it's amazing that pretty well for me, like nothing was going through my head at the time. Like I wasn't pre pre planning anything at all. It was just uh pure pure emotion and instinct at that time. God. Man, I like I I I don't know. People can think they would act certain ways, but I don't know, man. Like that's a different level of uh fear to me when like it's mortal. Your mortality is um in danger in a very primitive way and you just don't know what to do, you know? God, I feel like if the, well, it's the same thing, I guess when, I guess when you get shot at, it's the same kind of thing. Like, um, you don't know what you do until you actually get shot at and you're in an actual battle. Right. Yeah. But I feel like the bear is like more drawn out. It would almost be like if you saw the person with the gun and both of you like drew at each other at the same time. And then you're just like staring each other down. Cause but, the, the oh, man just fucking 30 feet is so like that's nothing for a bear to close that gap, man. Yeah. Wow. And were you guys on um like edibles or smoking that day? Because that would have just been a straight buzz kill. <laughs> uh, def- definitely not. No. Um, actually, it wasn't uh, anywhere around in the town we ran in Montana. So. Okay. Because yeah, I'm wondering like when going to Colorado with the weed being legal with nature, like smoking, taking an edible and taking a hike. 
has to be very um, centering and connecting, I would imagine, though I've never experienced it. Um, yeah, I usually go out on a hiking trail. Maybe if I do an edible or something, uh, I might do half. It's definitely not, you know, for me, it affects me differently, I suppose. And a lot of people like a lot of people smoke or take an edible and they want to get shit done. Really? But for me, it's more of a thing of like, um, I just eventually just want to go to bed. Um, <laughs> so it, it relaxes me to a point where I'm, you know, I can't do anything, but if I take half, then, you know, I'm good. I'm just, uh, more, you know, happy, not energized, but just kind of, you know, yeah, whatever, gotcha. whatever the world throws at me. Yeah. Right. That's what I was thinking about for the, see, that's the typical, I would, I would have thought reaction to edibles. We don't, we don't have them here in Delaware, but I'm surprised when you said like some people take them and they just want to get shit done. Like I would not have thought yeah, that some at people all. Take- I guess, like, supposedly the uh, sativa brand affects people in a certain way. Like, uh, they just jump up and they get a bunch of shit done, and then, huh. you know, they're good. For, they're good for the day. It's like a good day starter for them. Oh wow! <clears throat> Is it like super super common place? Like, if you had to put a percent of how many Coloradians, color, color, how do you even call it, Colorado? residents of Colorado, <laughs> if you had to put a percent on it, what, um, what percent do you think actually do the edibles smoke the marijuana? I mean, I would say the majority of the people I met have, uh, have always had, you know, some sort of smoker edible on them. Yeah. Like more common than I like prefer, drinking. Prefer... What's that? Like more common than drinking. Well, I think uh, drinking is definitely more po- more popular, uh, just in general. But gotcha. um, I don't know. I that's one of the things I gave up just through uh, LSD use. I guess you could say that cured that addiction for me. Like I always had like um, a whiskey bottle in my hand, and I always thought that was the way to go and be social. And um, but you know that's. Uh, that's that's in the past now, so. Got you. Do you get um triggered at all, like by me asking, about drinking? No, um, I get asked at work a couple times, like, "Hey, you want to have a drink with us after work?" Or I'm like, "Well, I really don't drink, but you know, I I can hang out." But then <laughs> it's 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 interesting to see like people thinking that because you're there all of a sudden they're not allowed to drink. It's like, dude, just do what you do. Like, right. I'm not, you know, it was never like an addiction for me. I just did it in a social setting to have fun with other people. So it's not like, Oh, I see you drink and I'm going to relapse or whatever. Got you. Like you never had that that bender moment. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Got you. Yeah. That is kind of funny. Cause it's, the people do, I mean, you do drink to relax, but you can do the same thing with like coffee or you can say, go get some food or um, I've, like in Goodwill hunting, it was like, do you want to go get some chocolate? And his whole point was like, it's just as arbitrary as having a beer. You know, we're just picking something to do to consume um, together. But yeah, being the guy that doesn't drink with all the drinkers, um, it's funny why the drinkers get weirded out by it. 
you know, then they start like making comments and shit. And you're just like, can we just hang? <laughs> Do we have to make this a thing? Right. Right. Well, then, then too, you get the bad drunks that, oh, you're not drinking. You think you're better than me. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <So true. laughs> yeah. They like, it's like maybe- well, Okay, the alcohol seems to be uh, making you like def- deflect your own shit on me. It's like, come on. <laughs> right? Like, okay, so clearly you have something we should talk about. <laughs> right. Tell me why you think I'm judging you. <laughs> but then you can't really talk about that unless you're sober, and that's not yeah, exactly what you want to talk about when you're sober because you all of a sudden don't know or don't think you have that problem and it only comes out when you're drinking. Right. What kind of, um, what kind of a drunk were you? So edibles make you sleepy. Were you like the happy drunk, the sloppy drunk, the angry drunk? I was, I was a very happy drunk actually. Um, and pretty big into like the country two-step and I swear to God, like the more I drank, the better dancer I became. Or felt, which was, or is there video evidence that you actually became better, <laughs> or is it just that you felt you were better? <laughs> well, some some people took uh, pictures of me dancing. I guess uh, I don't have any video proof of that, but um, yeah, I was always like I learned to dance here in Colorado, and you know that bar shut down right now, of course, but um, yeah, I'd go there and. Everybody, you know, some of, some of the older women were like, oh, you made my night, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, I, unknown to them, I was three sheets to the wind and, you know, functioning under what most people would be stumbling around and, you know, leaning against the wall for support. So, Man, why do you think it, did it just loosen up your muscles or let your inhibitions go? Or you just felt like the music better? Why do you think it is that most people feel they dance better, maybe even do dance better when they drink? Yeah, it definitely made me more connected to the music. Um, and I was dancing to a lot of songs that I already knew. So, But I just felt like I was able to spin the woman around and um, and dip her at the exact right time Rhythm. compared to when I was sober. And it might be because when I first started dancing, I was always... Uh, two to three shots in of whiskey anyway. <laughs> so it might be when you, when you learn to dance, when you're drunk, that's a good point. You have to keep, you have to keep drinking to be that good. Like <laughs> when I was sober, it was actually, I, I tried it a couple of times when I was sober and, uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. Like, I'm like, Whoa, I forgot I had to dance. Okay. I went to the bar, got a couple shots at me and I'm like, okay, it's all good now. So, <laughs> It's like the memory gets stored in whatever part of the brain is activated by the drink. <laughs> and it's That's just what it seems like, off. yeah. Oh man. So do you not um or do you go do you still get to dance? Like if there were dancing, obviously. Would you go sober or would yeah, you so trip a little bit, edible a little bit? Yeah, I'd probably take a edible, half an edible or um just microdose uh, a psychedelic or something just to kinda Loosen up, get more social, and um, yeah, I've danced before on like a microdose of mushrooms, and it's the same as alcohol for me. Like, so. Um, and I'm. But I'm, yeah, when uh, like in town they have a two-step Tuesday night, 
uh, at a bar here, but I'm not sure. I don't know. It looks like the beginning of August or something, they may open up again. But. Gotcha. With masks, right? And six feet apart, unless they're in your household. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if they're doing that, I'll, uh, I'll still take time off. Right. Can I, I can't uh, really dance with somebody with a mask on. You don't think? Well, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. You know, I don't, I, 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 I don't want any part of that. Gotcha. Um, I'm curious about the LSD curing, um, the drinking or leading you to stop drinking. Like how did, did, was that like a realization when you were tripping one time or how did that come about? Yeah, it was just kind of, uh, all of a sudden, um, I think I'd taken, three hits of LSD and I was, uh, it was a really good, really good journey. And I came out of it and I looked over at a whiskey bottle in my room and it was about half full. And I looked at it. I'm like, I don't need this anymore. Okay. That, that's the last whiskey bottle I'm you know, buying. And, um, you know, I told, told one of the guys I work with, you know, I came up with the whiskey bottle in my hand. I'm like, uh, Hey, this is going to be the last one. So let's, you know, let's have fun. <laughs> and he's like, well, not, that's not going to be the last one. I'm, you know, I looked at him and I gave him that, you know, yes, it is kind of look. And he goes, he just goes, Oh, well, respect to you. And he shook my hand. He's like, okay. <laughs> nice. So, and how long ago was that? Just about a year. Oh, no way. Maybe like nine months, nine months, 10 months. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think if you can keep with that for, man, past three months, I, th- I think you're almost like in the clear as far as like, you've probably got like whatever, um, whatever that time or whatever you associated with the drinking as far as like, oh, it's time to relax, drink. It's been replaced, right? Like, so now it's just a part of your lifestyle to not drink. I think that's clinical. Right. You know, like and I know there's like a deadline where, it's, it's, go ahead. Was it uh, 21 days make a habit or something like that? Yeah. That's what I was trying to think. I thought it was 30, but 21 sounds more right. Yeah. Right. You can, if you can just get it through that first couple of weeks, it's, um, my, one of my bosses has a, a great saying. Um, I never heard it till he said it, but, um, I think it's nature abhors a vacuum. And I was like, I, I didn't understand it. I don't even know if I'm saying it right with the abort because I never use that word except in that phrase. But I was like, dude, what do you mean? He's like, if like something leaves, nature will not leave emptiness there. Nature just fills all the time. There's like a certain level. So when you can get through that, uh, those days where you're like, what do I do now that I'm not drinking? Some people like will put on a ton of weight because they start eating a bunch, you know, to replace like whatever that motion is. Um, but for you, it seemed like the LSD. Did you want to like just tripping more, doing more mushrooms and shit like that? Um, I don't know. I do it probably at least once a month, but maybe twice where I do like a, a big day, try to focus on things. Because I think going into it with good intent is very important uh, uh, just from experiences I've had as of late. 
and you know, it's definitely not like I'm not a spokesman or proponent on it. I don't think everybody should do it. And, but you know, for me, it's definitely made a lot of positive impact, especially when I do it, like I, I do it and then I take a break and think a lot about what happened and how I can integrate it in everyday life. And it's, it's interesting from that point of view, you like the things you see and the interactions you have with people change. And it's, it's almost like the world is changing around you. Like, right. You start to think like, I don't know, like, do I have the power to affect other people? And it kind of <laughs> seems that way. Like, well, if I, if I react to them in this way and talk to them in this way, then I get this response. And, you know, I compare that to the way I used to be. Well, you know, I notice a big difference and I notice a lot more positive things at this point. Yeah. I've, I've actually through the podcast, just spoken to a bunch of people who, um, I want to say it might be even up to 10 men who are, uh, proponents. And I think they're at the same thing like you, like they've discovered it works for them. It's not like they're saying, Hey man, everyone should do this, but the psychedelic, the ability for it to unlock parts of your brain that are normally dormant or to make you aware of your subconscious they say is so powerful when they use it much like you're saying like, Hey man, I want to take time to reflect on what I've discovered and make sense of it versus I just want to trip balls. Like you would, if you were like a 15 year old, you know, running around town. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I've had, you know, there were a couple friends of uh, recent that I, I work with and they, they knew I got a hold of it from time to time and they were always like, they were almost like that crack fiend or whatever. They were always, you know, <laughs> hey man, bothering me for it. There's like, hey, I, I I know you got ten hits. Can you uh, spare two of them? And right. you know, then it's like, well, all of a sudden, then I go down to six, and it's like, I'm getting something from it. This is personal therapy. I bought it for myself. Right. Why would I give it to you when all you want to do is just drink yourself to death and play video games and then pass out? Right. It's like you're not getting anything <laughs> from it. So why why would I waste it? doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, that's I, exactly that. That's a great point. And that's the difference I think between, um, you know, using it for what it can do, which is unlock some of your deeper consciousness. What was the last right. thing you went into? Um, the last time you tripped, what were you trying to find out about yourself? Uh, the last big one I had was actually I got done with, um, my audio book and, Oh, say the name of it. I was Give you, it a little you, shout you, out. You, I'm sorry. But yeah, if you have an audiobook, man, say it. What's the title? Yeah, it's uh, called Finding the God Spark. And title. it's on Spotify or um, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, and I did, and I guess um, to be a little honest, I, I knew that I'd listened to um, one or two of the chapters. And like, I, mm. it, to me... And um, it's not offensive. I hope it's not offensive when I say this, dude. But with your voice and the way you read, like you could put that thing on play and then like almost have it be like a bedtime story and you would be out. Like it would just be it's okay. good shit to like drift <laughs> to sleep with, make you think about something and then like you're asleep. I really liked how your voice came across on that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah I'm working on some other things like – for right now, it's been kind of a, like, like the audiobook diary podcast 
Yeah, they're shorter episodes. It. It's, um, I mean, it's nice, man. You could drive to the store and listen to it. Some of them are like five, six minutes. Right. Yeah, I want to, like, I'm working on a, um, a my first series. Um, I want to give away a book at the end of that because it's a pretty good book. I think it's called um, Think and Grow Rich. And it was done in the 19, late 1930s or something by a guy named Napoleon Hill. You're and the, I think it's like one of the true self-help books out there. Um, you're the fourth different but, person from four different states to mention that think and grow rich on this podcast. It seems to be like, oh, a really? grow, yeah, man, like I, I'd never heard of it, but like that seems to be a growing sentiment amongst um, different cultures, man, different people that they, that book, and it's a shorter book, right? And it just like a uh, hundred pages or so, or am I wrong about that? No, it's a it's a good size. Uh, let me see. I have it right here. Yeah, I was just no, yeah, three nineteen. Shit, what am I thinking of? There was that's what I get for thinking and not googling. <laughs> there was another book that was yep. like a hundred pages, you know and I was amazed by how short it was and how powerful. But that's off the topic. Yeah, the one I got is like two forty two. Okay. So. Um, man, see, I diverted you. I wanted to find out about that trip. Um, I'll, I'll come back to the book thing. Cause I want to, um, I don't find out the inspiration behind that, but talk to me about the last time that you tripped. What were you looking for? What were you hoping to get out of it? What did you get out of it? Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of a celebration cause I just got done with a pretty big undertaking like two days before we were, uh, starting work again. Cause I did the audiobook during the COVID shutdown smart and it started off like I took it and I'm thinking, Oh man, this is going to be, you know, the best trip I've had in a while. And, um, it started off. It was really rough. It was actually, it, it was turning into the worst trip I had. I'm like, okay, you took it. It's in your system. You're in it for the long haul. Just try to like get back to where your mindset mindset is pure and you can actually like meditate through this or whatever you need to do, but get over this hump. What was making and, it rough? Uh, it just went, I don't know. I was, uh, I started off like listening to trying to listen to, um, you know, the Indian flute music and just kind of, get my mindset in like a meditative state. And I just like, my mind was going all over the place and I couldn't relax. And mm. I just kept jumping up and pacing around the house. And then I started feeling sick. And, and, um, I remember like standing over the toilet bowl and wanting to puke my insides out. And oh. when my intestines hit the bowl, I would flush and then hopefully go down the toilet bowl with my insides. Oh. And uh, I came out of there and, you know, it was just getting worse and worse. And uh, eventually I'm like, you know, if I have to be like Satan's lapdog or, you know, guardian of hell or whatever, <laughs> I will do that. Just make this fucking stop. And um, as soon as I, as soon as I thought that, then I, it was like getting shot into outer space with a rocket or whatever. The trip was awesome after that. So, um, the, like if I was, if I could actually put things on a painting, you know, what, what I, what I saw would just be, uh, unreal. 
you know, some people have that talent. Um, I can draw a little bit, but not, not what I saw there. Um, yeah, it was just awesome. Um, but I, when it's I mean, funny. It, it turned into a good, it turned into a good trip. Um, I still, I, I actually think my best one as of late was sometime before that. And it was a planned event. Like there's a place around here in Colorado um, called the Circle Wilderness Area. And I hiked over there one time. I'm like, okay, I want to spread my mom's ashes out here. And I've been carrying them around since I was 12 years old, basically. And uh, that was a place I wanted to do it. So what made you want to do it there? I think it was uh, just the, I mean, it's, it's one of the more beautiful areas I've come across. Um, just something about it. Like I left there and it was just a, just a thing. Like I couldn't stop thinking about it. I'm like, okay, this is where it has to happen. Gotcha. So, and um, I'm just yeah, going to assume out, that I went out there with her. What's that? Go ahead. Yeah. And I think we're I, definitely there. I, there's like a two or three second delay, man. So I, again, I really do apologize um, for when I speak cause I keep interrupting you, but I, I was just going to say, so, if I'm guessing you're, are you one of these guys that like, Hey man, I'm feeling this for a reason. I need to act on it. Like believing in that spirit guiding you kind of a thing. Yeah, definitely. I think I've refined that over the years. Um, because whenever I listen to it, good things happen. Right. And when I get stubborn and try to fight against it, that's when problems come up. So it's just, it's much more like, okay, you have that thought or feeling for a reason, go with it. You know, yeah. instead of trying to fight against it. Yeah. It's again, um, just talking to different people, man. So many people speak on it and it always makes me wonder like, why is it so difficult for people to kind of trust the, their own repetitive thoughts, you know, like to almost determine their own right. You know, if you're constantly thinking about it, man, you should probably act on it. There's a reason you're thinking about it, you know, right. Reason you're feeling it. Okay. I was just, um, for some perspective, I thought you were kind of going, um, one of those like might've been a belief of yours. Sorry, man. Again, I'll yeah, definitely over the years. It's gotten, gotten stronger. Nice. <clears throat> yeah. And um, yeah, no, you keep telling me about spreading but, your mom's ashes. But yeah, so uh, I went out there and I think it was two, two and a half hits that I took when I Holy started. Uh, like the, I found the f- first spot, spread some ashes there dropped and then kind of went on the trail and spread them along the way. Then, um, the onset was on really strong. So I kind of went off trail and hit, hit myself from passersby. <laughs> and I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure how long I was out there. Uh, but that, that was one of the times I brought a uh, pistol with me because oh I didn't know if it was bear country out there. Jesus. And I remember when the onset, when the onset hit, I actually took the gun out of the bag, uh, dechambered around, dropped the clip out, put it hidden in my bag. I'm like, I don't want any part of that. Yeah, I was you about know, to say that sounds sure dangerous as hell. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking when I put it in the bag, I'm like, well, I guess I'm not that concerned about bears or anything right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how long that lasted but i thought i was done like 
I perked up all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, I guess I guess I'm done. I don't remember anything of it. Okay. I started going down the trail again and you know, I was just riding one of the, the waves that happened uh, for that whole thing. And it started hitting me again. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm not done at all. And um, How's it hitting you? Then I noticed uh, just basically like the whole forest has a life of its own. Like the, the trees and the leaves are kind of coming towards you and going back. And it's almost like they... They want to give you a big hug and it's, you know, very inviting. Like, Hey, come down here and just, you know, get dirty and roll around in us, you know, um, one with what you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dude, so, so yeah, you... I, I was walking and I noticed like a big hologram shield oh, shit. in the distance off trail. I'm like, Oh, I don't like that being there. So I walk up to it and I, pried it away with my hands like it was an elevator door and it kind of had that like it just shattered moment wow and as soon as it shattered i remember thinking like man i got i got this area all to myself all of a sudden and um that's where i ended up dumping the rest of my mom's ashes and Mm. Then I laid I laid down on the ground and I just started laughing hysterically and um, <laughs> I'm like I'm, I'm yelling up in the sky I'm like oh it's always been this easy just to let go I've been so stupid and um, I proceeded to take off all, all my clothes so I got naked in the woods <laughs> I gave my car keys a kiss and and threw them a little ways and. Uh, <laughs> I started walking towards this other trail that was kind of going up and I remember, I remember seeing myself like I was looking in a mirror on the outside and I was turning into like a, a beast, an animal. Nice. And I, you know, I fully accepted the fact that, well, you don't have any toilet paper or anything. You're probably going to shit yourself and, um, you know, I'm like, oh, that's fine. The forest, you know, this is my home now. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I started, cra- I started crawling around on all fours and, uh, I came up to a, a rock face and I just started climbing up the rock face. Naked. And, uh, yeah. God, yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, <laughs> then at one moment I'm like thinking I'd have been out there for a while, like a long time. And I started having thoughts of like, well, are people like going through my room and uh, auctioning things off and they're finding this <laughs> and they're finding that? I'm like, who cares? You're out here now. This, you know, this is where you need to be. And um, yeah, I reached a second rock face and I was climbing up that one and the, the sun was kind of setting, which... <laughs> kind of struck me as weird because i was like almost certain that i'd found a place where i'd always have daylight but um you know the sun was setting so i'm like okay well i guess i was wrong about that and as as i as i was climbing though the um like the leaves and stuff were kind of like they would catch fire wilt and then kind of reconstitute wow and that was it was only where i was actually ascending like whenever my presence was near near 
you know, this plant life. It was able to regenerate. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm like, is this a representation of what we're, you know, doing to the world around us? Like we're killing things and then. Oh, I took it the other way. I thought like, yes, it was like burning up. You were kind of going with it. And then when you got there, regenerated, but no, they, they would burst into flames as you got there. Right. Yeah. Oh, it was only like yeah. the spots that I was around. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, man. Yeah. So I got to the top of that one and then thought you could fly. I saw a, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to the top of that and I saw a, like a old tree stump. It was a, like halfway of a tree that had long died off or whatever. And it wasn't, it was kind of decrepit and falling apart, but, um, you know, I came up to it and I kind of looked at it as a, uh, a thing that I wanted to destroy. So mm-hmm. I started punching it and elbowing it and there were some headbutts thrown in. Do you remember and why you thought, like, like for, why destroy that when you were at such peace? It was just something that was, it, it wasn't sitting right with me. I'm like, you're you're a cancer to the other trees that want to mm. actually live and you're, you're an old soul and you need to go away. Um, said the protector so, of the forest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and then, uh, so ch- chunks started flying off and every time I you know, like punched a chunk or ripped a chunk off of it, it would like something would flash in my head of something that I, I was holding on to. Oh um, my God. You know, something that, you know, something that I was attached to and all these things started popping up. I'm like, huh, okay. Am I supposed to be out here or am I supposed to go back and, you know, get rid of all those things? When, and, when um, you talk about things you are attached to, are you talking about like personal items? Are you talking about like emotions? Uh, personal items. Yeah. Um, just things that I bought to keep up an image or something like that. Um, yeah, just, I'm like, you know, when I got back, I, I looked at everything I had and I'm like, okay, I'm going to start, you know, getting rid of some of that because it serves no purpose besides to make myself look better to other people. Would um, you mind if you sent me your iPhone? Cause I'd appreciate it. I'll take it. Uh, I don't have an iPhone. <laughs> Shot in the dark. I don't either. That's why I was hoping. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get the uh, prepaid specials from Walmart or Target or something like that for 40 bucks. Gotcha. Oh, interesting. Man, that might be the way to do it, to be honest with you. Not to divert. Sorry. I think so. Then you, Yeah, then you don't worry about uh, spending so much money on a phone. Yeah, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so what were the personal items yeah, but- that you like were seeing fly away? What were some of the things that you felt um, you were had to keep up an image? Um, as I would say the biggest one was, uh, AR 15 I had, oh. which I dumped thousands of dollars in to like, get it looking like a U.S. Navy SEALs AR 15 and, oh, you know, which I, I, I would go out shooting maybe two or three times a month. Um, but it was always like, when I look back on it, I could always feel that it kind of changed my personality. Like when I pulled it out of a bag, um, I kind of 
you know, subtly looked around to see if anybody else would notice. Oh uh, yeah, right. All the attached, all you know, all the money and attachments that I put into it. I'm like, yeah, I got this, you know, shoulder strap. I got this side. I got this. I got this hand grip. Blah 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 blah. Look at me, you know. So it wasn't about the the shooting. It was all about you know attention at that point. So right, interesting. Um, I hadn't thought about that. Like I've thought about that with cars you know when people like completely trick out cars and whatnot definitely thought about that with clothes but i've never thought about that with um weapons like having particular weapons for like a status symbol kind of a thing yeah i mean it's still functional as a you know as a gun i mean those things only help but for me and my intention it was apparently uh something else so yeah no interesting did you wind up getting rid of it I did. Yeah, I sold it. Oh, wow. Um, and it, I, I didn't sell it for the amount that I put into it. Obviously, that never really happens. But, um, yeah, that was actually, like, I think that was a week before going to uh, Peru to do ayahuasca, which was basically tripping my balls off on uh, a plant medicine in Peru. Did you so. happen to go there with a guy named Spencer? From Toronto or from Canada? No. Okay. Because he, he told me a tale about a trip to Peru where he'd spent two days doing ayahuasca tea with a shaman. 2019. Yeah, apparently it's like a whole camp. Now, well, like, uh, shaman in Peru is. Go ahead. Yeah, the shaman's name was uh, Ron Wheelock. Wheelock? Yeah. Ron Wheelock. And dude, I, I'll actually, I'm going to have to message him about this. Is it like in a specific town? Cause I think the way he was describing it, man, he had to travel by river for like a couple hours to find this little, almost like a monastery, I guess, like its own little village. Yeah. Those are probably the, uh, the better spots to do it. Maybe, maybe they have more, uh, you know, the really powerful stuff. Um, you know, where, where I went, it was a town called Equitos or something like that. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't anything I had to take by river. It was actually, you know, we took a bus as a group, went there. I think there was 15 or 16 of us and uh, went there for a week. We did three, three ayahuasca ceremonies and then you could do other stuff too. Like San Pedro was available. Um, that's another plant medicine has a mescaline in it. And then... You can do uh, something called Cambo, which is, they use it as a, uh, like a body cleanse thing. Um, and that, that was, that was actually pretty interesting because they actually burn holes in your skin oh, and then shit. they, they basically put frog venom in those holes. Like the tree frogs, then, those, those tree frogs that are supposed to kill you. Yeah, it's like a, it's the poison extracted from that frog. Uh, but I guess this frog, like, you're getting poisoned and it makes you, you know, throw up a lot. Um, but, like, if you're, an alco- if you're an alcoholic, it's actually worse on you. And a lot of, like, alcoholics will actually puke up black tar. Holy shit. Um, Why? Just the way the you know, chemicals just, go? Yeah, you know, it's just... I guess it's forcing you to 
like clean out your liver. And uh, the alcoholics actually get the most benefit from it, from what I hear, because like it's the most, it's the worst time for them. And it it, it was pretty bad for me too, um, but not as bad. Like you get sweaty, your lips puff up like you're on Botox and you feel like everything in your body's swelling and you feel sick. You get the cold sweats. And, um, but for me, it only lasted like 20 minutes for the more hardcore drinkers might last an hour. And um, do you take it with the intention of like the cleaning your system? It. I did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's like, would be the standard practice. Like, Hey, I'm just going to torture myself. Um, just so that my system can be purified almost like a fast, right? A fast, fast. Yep. <laughs> I yeah. laugh at my own jokes all the time. Sorry. <laughs> gotcha. Jesus, man. Uh, can you wrap up the naked punching a tree stump before maybe we'll jump back to Peru <laughs> after, but I so want to know okay. like sun setting, you're beating the hell out of a tree stump are your knuckles bloody at this point? Do you, do you, are you able to bleed as the great protector of the forest <laughs> or are you indestructible? Well, <laughs> so this, this, this was a thing too. Like, um, I thought I was out there for so long that my feet had developed calluses. Um, but after the effects of the LSD wore off. That wasn't the case at all. My, my feet actually looked like hamburger meat after that. Um, you know, I had some markings on my head cause I tried to headbutt the tree stump also. <laughs> and you know, I was, I was in bad shape. Um, but the interesting thing was like when I punched the tree stump, I could actually, it was almost like I was Wolverine, like a holographic shield went over my fingers and wrist area. And it felt like any damage done was actually healed immediately. So I just kept punching harder and harder. Um, and then I ended up, ended up dealing with that, uh, <laughs> dug a hole, dug a hole by that tree trunk. Like I was a dog and then slept in that tree, you know, in that hole, I covered myself with dirt and, um, I woke up, you know, the sun rose and, uh, I woke up the next day and Are, all like, night. Like I think something's on top of that. Holy shit. Yeah. It, yeah, it was, it was pretty cold too, but I think the effects of LSD make you not feel the effects of coldness. Um, you didn't wake up during definitely. the night then, huh? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't the best sleep. Um, maybe I slept for maybe an hour or so, but I was kind of tossing and turning. It was uncomfortable, uh, for sure. Do but, you remember what was going through your head? Yeah. The next, cause I'm just thinking now at like night with it, the state change in the environment and all that, that had to like impact your thoughts again. When that, when that time came, I wasn't really, uh, lashed on anything. Huh. I just knew that I needed to, needed to sleep. Um, you know, I'm surprised that whole time too, like there was no, I didn't encounter anything. I didn't encounter any wildlife or I didn't get bitten up by ants or anything either. They're all uh, probably fucking so scared of you, mis- man. 
They're like, who's this crazy <laughs> motherfucker headbutting a stump? We're not messing with him. <laughs> Even the ants were smart enough to know, like, we don't do that dumb shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this dude is next level. Get away. The mama bear is sitting there with her yeah. cub, and she's like, son, that is what you do not do. Do not grow up to be that man. <laughs> baby bears like yes mama yes <laughs> yeah i remember uh, letting off a couple couple pr- primal yells like i was a wild beast too like ah. right? um Golly but day. yeah you, I, dude your body had to be spent uh, no wonder like i mean yeah, well, aside from the soreness just the physical toll of all that oh my god well also too which i didn't uh realize until morning time um, I hadn't had any water cause I tossed my water bottle in oh, the forest shit. also. And yeah, I woke up and I was dehydrated and, but I looked up at the mountain and I'm like, well, something's up there. I need to go, go up there. So I kept climbing and most, most of the effects had, you know, gone away. It was just kind of a euphoria feeling. And so let me ask you, dude, cause this is climbing. interesting. Hold, hold on one second. So like, I almost in my head pictured like the dude who hooks up with the girl and then wakes up the next morning sober and is like, why the fuck am I hooking up with this? And then tries to like escape. Do you have a moment like that when you wake up and you realize like, why am I naked? Is it trippy? Is it guilty? Like, or anything like that? I didn't get that. No. No? Um, Yeah, actually, actually I just felt like something like I needed to continue in a way. And I don't know, I was faced with like still being in the LSD mindset, uh, but also kind of coming back to reality and knowing that being, being aware of the two thoughts colliding, like I want to go out that mountain. I want to be part of the forest, but I'm like, yeah, but you're thirsty and you're dehydrated and you know, you're, you're going to die if you continue. So, uh, yeah, it's almost like a spirit. I guess it would and, be like your body just battling your spirit. Yeah, and that's pretty much what got me back. Like, I was climbing up the mountain a little ways, and I kept hearing a uh, the, the stream down below. I'm like, you know what? I got a hell of a story to tell. I choose life right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going down there to get some water. So... I made my way down, um, found a little off trail part, went to, uh, get some drink out the water. And this is, this is funny too. Like my mindset when realizing that, Oh, this is a trail right here. Okay. But I had to walk down the trail naked and it was probably, it felt like it was getting around that time. Like the early morning riser hikers would be on the trail. Right. And, but I didn't have any other option. I just had to walk on the trail naked. And, uh, so I'm like, I got my, got my shoulders back. I'm like, okay, if you encounter anybody, you got to deal with it. Yeah. And, so uh, are you going to yeah, go like walk, walking down the trail? No, I'm just wondering, like, are you going like your plan in your head? Are you going to be the first one to talk? Are you going like hardcore eye contact, act like everything's normal? Just like morning. <laughs> Or were you going to try to avoid jumping a bush? Yeah, I was planning on the uh, high core, hardcore eye contact. Like, what? What? (laughs) Look at you. You look stupid with clothes on. (laughs) 
<laughs> That'd be awesome if you could flip um, it on them. And like you see them, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Take your fucking clothes off. That's not what we do here. We don't walk around clothed. <laughs> and then they're on acid. And then all of a sudden, like they're flipping out because they're like, no, I'm doing the wrong thing. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I'm just telling stories to myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I found a uh, I found a little off trail area, and I went to the stream and just you know cut my hands, drank some water, and sat there in the in the grass for a while, thinking like, what do I do now? Like, where's my bag? I, I have gun nothing. In it? I know, right? You know, I don't. I, I, I don't have pants. I don't have my car keys. How am I getting out of here? Mm. And, um, so I, I went a little ways and went over, uh, one of the fallen tree areas and I noticed like a, a beige thing. I'm like, my first thought I looked over, I'm like, Oh, is that a bag of money? <laughs> and, uh, I went over to investigate and I, you know, grabbed it and it was actually my shirt nice. and I'm like, Oh, okay. You're in the area where it all started. And, uh, I'm like, okay, you're, you're married to this area until you find enough stuff to get home and just get home. Forget about everything else. You can come back out here later and find it because you know where it's at now and just, you know, find the ways to get home. So I found my shirt, uh, eventually found my water bottle, which is good. Um, and then I found my, my pants and then I found my car keys, which my car keys were like right out in the open, just plain as day. They were just sitting right there. I'm like, I snatched those up. I'm like, okay, I'm going. And, uh, I was going back down the trail barefoot and, you know, by the time I reached my car, my feet were just a mess. There was so much pain and it was, it was like a 17 mile drive to get, you know, get back home. Um, dude, what was that terrain like? back home? Can you describe the What's terrain that? just so I can picture it? The terrain. Just so I can picture it. The terrain. Yeah. So there's oh, a little feedback. You know, ext- extremely rocky and, uh, you know, dirt. Uh, there was a little stream I had to cross. Um, I kind of slipped around a little bit in there. And I passed by a couple of people. They're like, wow, you don't have any shoes on. You've been, you've been hiking for a while. I'm like, you could say that. And I was just kind of like, <laughs> you know, anything I respond to people is kind of like in that, like, I'm in a lot of pain. Leave me alone. You know, right. kind of way. Um, God. But yeah, I got back uh, to where I live and there were, you know, a couple of the other dudes I work with sitting on the couch and they saw me come in. They're like, they looked at me and, you know, I was all scraped up. I was a mess. I had blood all over me. And uh, they're like, dude, what happened to you? <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, then I went into work about four hours later also, cause I had to work that night. Oh shit. And, um, that was when the owner of the place found out that I was a psychedelic user. You know, she came up to me, she's like, what was it? Was it mescaline? Was it this? I'm like, no, it was LSD. She's like, <laughs> okay. Why do you, why do you say uh shoo on mescaline? I'm unfamiliar with it. Well, no, that that was her response to me me doing something. Oh no, yeah, but so like if the the LSD was acceptable, is mescaline not? 
I guess is why I'm asking. Like, is it like meth or something like that, or like some weird addictive property? Well, I guess I guess a lot of people are put off by LSD just because it it's like um, made in a lab and it's not you know from the earth. A lot of people kind of have problems with that, but I don't know. My 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 theory on that is like, well, it's a, it actually comes from a um like a mushroom fungus parasite or whatever you want to call it that uh, originated on wheat and doctors just extracted the parts that actually make you go insane. And they, you know, he extracted it into this, you know, medical LSD variant. Hmm. And, um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Uh, there's a guy, Albert, Albert Hoffman. That's, he was uh, trying to research like ways to cure migraines, and uh, he actually accidentally dosed himself, and uh, you know came to the conclusion that it was a very powerful psycho you know psychotherapy tool. Um, okay, no, I'm completely unfamiliar with the history of it. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, like something that like the main thing grows on wheat, and then. Um, if you eat the wheat that's contaminated with it, you actually go insane. Like you want to kill people. You want to hurt yourself. Holy shit. Um, so the way, the way, the way it is right now, like the original Hoffman version of LSD is actually very, uh, it's actually very calm and controllable and you get a lot from it. Um, there are other variants out there now, like, um, a lot of people use the uh, white on white or white fluff where it's like LSD and then you have LSD crystal mixed with it or something like that to make more more powerful. LSD crystals. That sounds like you're getting into a really trippy ass crack at that point. Yeah. There's been reports of like people putting uh, a thumbprint worth of like they'll dip their thumb in the crystal and then have a whole thumbprint of stuff and then put it on their tongue. It's like, I don't know, 50 doses or Holy something like shit. that. Dude. Yeah. When you said you took two and a half, that sounded like a lot to me. Yeah. Personally, I think less is more. Um, <laughs> I would hope so after that one, <laughs> you know, for, well, for a while I was like, I had this goal of like, Oh, I want to get up to a 10 strip. And Holy shit. honestly, I did the 10, you know, I got up that far and seven or eight great experiences from that. But when I got up to 10, I took the 10 and then I blacked out. I woke up and I remember nothing at all. I'm like, well, Useless. that could have sucked. Right. Okay. So I'm like, and then I gave it a little bit of break. I'm like, okay, you don't need to do 10 ever again. You did it, you know, move on with life. So then I gave it about a month and a half or so, I think. And then, uh, I did four and that, that was like crazy. The amount of things I got off doing four. I'm like, okay, this is more, you know, I'm in that, you know, the most I ever want to do again is probably five, but man, that's, and I, I, this is probably a really stupid question, but LSD is illegal out in Colorado, right? Yeah, it's legal everywhere. I mean, um, 
I guess Denver just uh, made like mushroom possession not not a crime. So you can uh, okay. You can have it. You can you can grow it, but you can't sell it gotcha. yet. Um, yeah, Del- my, that's funny. I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of kind of looking at like maybe they're going to turn psilocybin into like the weed shops or whatever. Like you can go in there and if you know, it'll start probably with medical things, but um, then eventually you'll probably get like very small microdose packs or something like that. Like, you know, it's three grams in this little pack and they're divided up into microdosing capsules or something like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I'm just wondering how, um, I, I guess the, the paranoia of being caught with it doesn't enter your mind at all, huh? Well, I'm not like, uh, you know, the LSD kingpin, <laughs> the Walter White of there. LSD. You know, <laughs> I'm not out there, you know, handing it out or trying to sell it to everybody. Um, you know, if someone has it, then I guess I'm off them and enjoy it gotcha. while it's around. But how trusting are you? Cause you sound super knowledgeable about it and I'm, it, because it's chemical and stuff. Do you just have like a couple of people you trust or if someone's at a party and they're like, Hey man, I got some, you're like, cool. Let me get hit or two. Yeah, it, it, it kind of like a, I don't know, like, um, it's interesting becoming part of like the Instagram world. You get a lot of uh, drug dealers starting to follow you and message you and, you know, hey, if you want psychedelics, I got some. It's like, yeah, I, you know, I've never met you. I don't know you. <laughs> Entrapment. Why would I buy Entrapment. like that? <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, you can post all the psychedelic memes that you want, but I'm just not buying it. Um, but yeah, if I get, if I get a good vibe off a person, then, you know, I'll trust them. Uh, there's people I've met, I'm like, eh, and they, they, they actually like, Oh, I'll, get, I'll give you, I'll give you five and let me know how it works out. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm good. You yeah. know, just something about them that doesn't really jive. Right. Gotcha. But, Again, just trusting that spirit kind of a thing. Because I'm, yeah, yeah and I, I don't know really much about it at all, but I'm just assuming it's like, it, you can't, you can't tell what the LSD actually is like you could marijuana, right? You can visually see the buds, you can see the seeds, right? You'd see the stems, you can see everything on it. But like with LSD, it's on like a little piece of paper basically, right? Yeah, they usually come in that little, uh, the blotter art. Um, so, I mean, there's a good chance that it's not LSD at all. It's just blotter paper. Um, and, but usually those people ask, it's weird. Like the people that don't have legit LSD will actually ask for more money. Cause they got to run with, they got to get the, out right afterwards. <laughs> yeah. They, I guess they want as much as they can while they can get it. Yeah. And man. then, uh, you know, the guys with the real stuff, they'll be like, uh, do the sheep, you know, for 200 bucks or something like that, or they'll just give it to you. But man, yeah, it seems so much more, um, or there seems to be so much more of a need for trust or like you're saying that vibe, because it's almost like you can't really prove it. 
Well, as far as uh, the quality being yeah, bad. Exactly. The quality, or even like you said, like you could just get a sheet of paper and then it's like, fuck, what do I do now? Right. I'm out of my money. Yeah. And it's definitely one of those things like you can't do the typical thing I know people have done before where they go to the cops about it. Like, yeah, this <laughs> guy ripped me off on a sheet of acid. So, <laughs> you know, people who've done that? Uh, I've heard a couple stories here and there. Yeah. Man. Like, well, this guy's weak quality, uh, or whatever. He shortchanged me, and blah blah blah. It's like, dude, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that stuff's not legal in your state. And he, even if it was, oh, don't. Shit. What are you doing? I know that's awesome. I love when stupid people do stupid things. <laughs> Have you heard about the uh, like? There were. I guess two cops that busted a guy with weed and I guess it was really good weed and the cops smoked a lot of it. No. And then they called nine one. Yeah. They called nine one one and they're like, can you send an ambulance? We're dying. The so, cops themselves <laughs> called nine one one. Yeah. So the cops called nine one one on themselves <laughs> because they were smoking somebody else's stash that they, that they got earlier. Was that out in Colorado? Where, where, where did that happen? No, I think it was the East Coast somewhere. Oh, um, fucking East Coast cops. Maybe the Carolinas or something like that. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up, dude. <laughs> I could picture teachers doing that too. <laughs> like some, you know, like old school, like you bust a kid and you just like take it and like, I'll call your parents. They can pick it up. And then all the teachers like after school having a bunch of good times and then having to like call for help because they weren't ready for whatever the kid was ready with. <laughs> right. right. How yeah, did... Especially out here, like, Oh man. That Colorado weed will uh, put, put you on your ass. Yeah. Do you ever just come across tourists? Cause people have to travel there just to like whatever smoke for a weekend, a week or whatnot. So like, do you just come across people just doing stupid shit all the time because they're just not used to the, the lifestyle? Yeah. Um, I mean, you get occasionally you notice uh, maybe someone who isn't used to the effects of the, the type of weed that we have out here. But one of, one of the big things I notice actually is um, the effects of drinking out here. If, like if you've never oh, with had the a drink altitude. at altitude. Yeah. Yeah. You get, you get drunk so fast. And, um, like I know with me, like the first time I was in Colorado, there was a guy from Virginia or Vermont. I think it was Vermont actually. He had like, a he brought some beer with him and he had this beer that was like 18%. Holy shit. And, yeah. Yeah. Have two uh, of those. At that point, I was. <laughs> at that point, I was a. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was. A, I was a pretty big drinker at that time, so I'm like, well, beer. Beer's never really hit me that hard, so it's gonna be easy. Right. And we were sitting around the bonfire, just shooting the shit, and yeah, I got up at the end of the conversation, and I stumbled into four other lawn chairs, and like. <laughs> I, I looked at him. I'm like, what is going on? He's like, welcome to Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about altitude. We tried to fix some um, audio issue that I'm not sure if it'll um, come on the pod or not. 
And I was looking at my notes while I was recalling you, and I'm kind of curious, the ayahuasca trip versus a LSD trip, how similar were those um, experiences? Not similar at all, really. Um, LSD, when you get used to it, you can kind of feel like you're controlling things to a certain extent. Um, like you're kind of, kind of going down the rabbit hole, but you kind of choose the rabbit hole that you want to go down. Huh. Um, but with the ayahuasca, it's kind of like, no, you're, you're going down this one and that's that. That's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you have, you have no choice in the matter. You're like, uh, okay, time to buckle up and go on this, I guess. And uh, the more you, I think the more you try to move on from something else, it's like, no, you need to look at this. You need to think about it. And that's how it's going to be. You know, it's, do you um, think part of it's because so much is out of your control since you have to like fly to Peru, you have to go see these, um, these special people. You don't get to like choose the trip and the environment. Yeah. But when you, when you actually go into the ceremony, you kind of have your, I don't know, for me, like, especially the first time I took it, I was kind of expecting, um, like the onset feeling that I was accustomed to with LSD use, where you kind of know that things are starting to come around. And, for me, I was almost getting kind of like, well, why, why, why isn't this, you know, starting up the way that I think it should. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get a whole lot from that first How? ceremony, actually. Um, That's funny because Spencer didn't, said the same didn't, thing. It didn't happen. Oh What's yeah. That? So yeah, we definitely still have the delay, but at least there's no echo now. So that I guess good to know. Um, no, Spencer had said the same thing. Like the first night he actually, he was like, please, sir, can I have some more <laughs> kind of a thing? Cause he was right. like, it's not doing anything for right. me. He said his friends though, were like all in, like they, yeah. they discovered themselves. Yeah. Let's see. By the third ceremony, I'd taken three cups, which I don't recommend to anybody ever doing that. <laughs> um, your fucking tolerance, man. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, then the, well, so the first ceremony, he, uh, he's like, okay, if you've never, never done it before, I'm going to give you half a cup. And then after I get done with, uh, the first songs, which are called, uh, Icaros, he's like, once I get done with my first set of that, then you can come up, but I'm only going to give you another half a cup. So the first ceremony minimum or maximum, you can only have uh, a full cup basically. And what was the consensus? Cause you said you went with like 15, 16 people. So was everybody, um, not feeling it? Was it like a mixed bag? So that, that first night there were two of us that didn't feel anything. And turns out we were both, uh, we both had a similar, uh, bout with alcohol in the past. Oh. So that, that could have played a role in it. Like if you're more tolerant of alcohol, you might be more tolerant to ayahuasca. You might need more, but you know, the second ceremony, even, even that I didn't start getting into anything until almost 
almost at the end. So I'd probably say about three hours in or so. Then, you know, the visuals on ayahuasca are pretty incredible once it actually kicks in. As in um, just stuff you've never seen or as in like the, the focus or clarity or sharpness of ordinary things? Yeah, the, the detail of it, you're, it's kind of like you're actually looking at it in person. Like, it's not a hallucination. You're actually like in that space. Everything seems very real. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, that main, the main experience of the second one, um, I was like floating around in a chamber and... I could see all these faces looking into the chamber and all the faces looked like they had some sort of torment, like they were just in complete hell. And off to the right of me, I noticed a white ball of energy and it was comforting in a way. It was familiar. Like I'd been in the room with that energy before, like I knew it. And I looked I look back over towards the windows and the windows started getting closer and the faces started getting a lot more detailed and it, you know they started looking like actual people and that you recognized I got the sense like not that I recognized them but I knew somehow I knew what was going on like um you know I was in the chamber with this ball of energy and if you want to call it the um you know the the it energy guide like or the whatever. creator energy yeah or whatever yeah but i was in the room with it and they weren't but they were looking in on both of us with the torment and you know frustration in their face hmm. i'm like is this is this supposed to be like the mass of humanity is like they look in they want to be close to that you know, God energy, but they can't because they're hung up on, you know, whatever depression or anger or whatever. And I'm in, in here with it because I'm on a, you know, psychedelic spiritual quest or whatever. Oh. And, uh, you know, they get, they gave me that thing like, okay, the more, you know, they, I don't know. There's something in the Bible, I think about that. Right. Like, um, You'll, you'll want to be close to God, but you won't. You'll be in torment and whatever, thinking about God and being able to see him, but not being close to him. So it kind of, kind of gave me that sense. Like, oh, wow. you have to be willing to, to open your mind a little bit and actually like make, make the steps and do the work on yourself to get to that point. I I'm in- no, That's what I, I got out of it. Yeah. And, but I'm interested. What were you hoping to get out of it? Cause I like the analogy of like LSD, you get to pick your rabbit hole ayahuasca. You do not. So if you're going in with the LSD mentality, did you have a particular topic you were hoping to explore? Yeah. So I went in with it with, um, wanting to, you know, find my purpose in life basically. Cause I knew it wasn't working, working the cooking jobs and all that. So I wanted something different but i i felt i needed kind of a push to kind of you know tell me what i needed to do so that, that was the main thing 
that I went in there with. So the interesting thing about ayahuasca in general is that like you feel you're getting almost like brain downloads. Um, <laughs> really? These supposedly like I talked to the shaman afterwards because I'm like, I think I'm still getting insights from this. He's like, yeah, it's typical. It might last you up to a year. Um, Shut the fuck. What do you mean you're still like you just get a deja vu-ish feeling or you get like this real passionate realization about some sort of moral or truth? I would, I would say it's very much like like maybe the answer doesn't come while you're doing the ayahuasca. It comes later. Like they'll say, okay, this is this is what you want. You want to find your purpose. Okay. You want to find something that you're passionate about. Okay. Well, uh, you know, eventually I'll, uh, I'll, I'll lead you down the path. And I mean, actually that's kind of like when I started writing some stuff, cause it was like a, oh. it was kind of, it was kind of like a har- harassing voice in my head in a way. It's like, start writing your life story, start writing about what you've experienced and, you know, start writing, start writing, start writing. And when I finally did, it was like, it was like somebody else was taking over the wheel. I'm like, wow, I can actually write like this. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. I never thought I was a writer, but I'll just keep going. And then dude, I've had eventually um, it was done. I'm like, I'm sorry. I was just trying to reinforce that point. I've had artists um, describe it almost that same way where like a spirit takes over when they get like just into that flow state and they're amazed at what they produce. It's funny that you would describe it just like that. Yeah, it definitely, definitely feels that way. And it kind of, kind of humbles you in a way. It's like, okay, I never thought myself capable of this and this is a new thing. And it's it's fine if I'm not taking you know 100 credit for it. You know it's not not about me being great or look at my accomplishments or anything like that. It's like okay, I, you know obviously have some s- stuff to tell when I have a way of putting things or and you know it's time for me to get that out there. Man, and so then you wrote and I'd say the name of your book again called the uh, finding the god spark i just like when authors say the name of their own book i think it could be a cool soundbite um <laughs> so when they when yeah. you're writing finding <laughs> the god spark um you think that was that came from the inspiration of the ayahuasca later on i would say so yeah okay man how much later from um when you took when you went to peru Let's see, I went there in November 2019 and then pretty much worked um, the whole winter season, uh, got a hold of some LSD from time to time, and then you know, we got shut down with the, uh, the COVID thing, and I guess like a lot of people, it's like, well, I got to do something kind of productive during the shutdown, and uh, I was going to tackle like a new language or something like that. Oh, then wait. that's when that what language? Kind of like nagging of the, well, I was going to learn Italian. Okay. I'm Italian. So Got- <laughs> heritage. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
uh, yeah, like I said, I, I I was getting that nagging of the spirit, and I started writing stuff. I'm like, okay, here we go. Like three chapters were done that that night or something like that. I think. Oh no shit. Maybe two. And were you, were you um, tripping when you did it, or it was just like of a sober mind? No, um, it was. It, it became part of my uh, morning routine. Actually, like every morning around nine o'clock, I would just sit and write stuff down, and then. Uh, and we got word that work was starting uh, about a week out. And that's all I did. I drank so much coffee during that time trying to finish it up <laughs> and get it on to uh, get it recorded and all that. So, And how happy are you with it? I mean, I, th- I think it's uh, I think it's good for a first try. You know, I wasn't wasn't going in for it to uh trying to make money or whatever i just wanted to get it out there so right so what do you mean good for a first try as far as like the editing the wording um what well no knowing nothing about writing or um you know the recording stuff and then editing and having to figure everything out on my own right and you know, there, there were a couple of people at work that listened to it. They were like, well, the writing's great and all this, uh, you know, you, you should probably, you should probably re-edit it and then re-release it. I'm like, no, I'm just going to let it go the way it is. Um, <laughs> and it'll, it, it'll be there as like kind of a learning tool because I'm continuing on and progressing and trying to learn more and more about this whole thing. So as I like keeping stuff around as kind of a learning tool to compare where I was and yeah, it's where a metric. I am now. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's a, it, yep. if anything else, it can just show growth and it helps, I think, to like reflect because you'll listen or hear or see something. You'll be like, oh, that's right. I used to whatever, do something this way. Let me try to change that. It gives you areas to improve, you know, goals to set for yourself. What's, um, what was the premise or what is the premise? And I actually think, Uh, pretty much just like starting off with my early childhood. Um, you know, I dealt with a lot of death early on in life. You know, my mom died when I was 12. She died of AIDS. Um, her boyfriend at the time intentionally passed on to her and let us know, let us know that they did. Shut the fuck Um, up, man. Are you, who does that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how how are you as yeah, far as there, like, he actually called? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What's that? No, no uh, What's that? I was going to say, no, continue. When you were saying something about he called, I just can't get over like, like who the fuck does that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like 10 years old and I was just doing what kids do playing with toys and phone rang. My grandmother answered and she collapsed down crying and I didn't know what was going on. I ran over to her. I'm like, what, what happened? What happened? And, uh, she told me that Jeff just called until, you know, and said, tell Linda, which was my mom, my, my mother. Uh, she, he's like, tell Linda to welcome to the world of AIDS. And Fucking a. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that meant. Um, you know, it took probably, I don't know, it took a, a while for me to actually get the full grasp of what was what was happening. 
Um, but yeah, she, she passed when I was 12 and then my grandmother took care of me. She passed away of cancer when I was 14. Um, then my uncle took care of me and he, you know, I was, I was pretty much a burdensome roommate to him. He was a, uh, you know, a high alpha police officer, head of the SWAT team and all this stuff. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So in the, in the, in the back of my mind, I was worried like, okay, is he going to get shot in the line of duty and then I'm going to have like nobody or, you know, what's, Foster what's going to happen here. Right. Oh my God. Um, so when you say burdensome with your uncle, you were feeling the burden to him or you were feeling that burden of like him possibly dying? Um, no, it was more like he, he really didn't know how to uh, deal with raising a kid. Gotcha. And it, it, you know, he'd come home from work or whatever. He's like, Hey, what's up? You know, he just gave me those like short little things and really didn't like try to engage me and, you know, be a actual male influence in my life. It was just kind of like, I don't know. I just got the sense like, yeah, I made a promise. I'm going to do this until he turns 18. And then once, once he turns 18, that's it. But, and do you have much of a relationship with him now? I talked to him a, a while back, but nothing regular. for the most part, he's, he's still on. Yeah. He's still in Florida. Um, so. Gotcha. Man, I do, and I gotta ask because you're you seem again very spiritual, right? Like you're you're self discovering yourself. Um, have you taken a trip, or how hard have you gotten into thinking about forgiving? Um, what did you say his name was, Pete? Um, my uncle? No, not your uncle. I'm sorry. I was going back to the the asshole that gave your mother AIDS. Oh, his name is Jeff. Jeff, I'm sorry. Sorry to all the Pete's out there. Fuck you, Jeff. Have you gotten into um the like attempted to try to do the forgiveness or have forgiveness? Do you have any desire to forgive? Do you think you don't need to? I'm ju- I'm just curious about that. I don't think about it anymore. I mean, you know, nothing I got to do about it at this point. I think that was a big thing that happened when I uh spread my mom's ashes too is like kind of releasing all that you know past uh bs that i'd been carrying around with me for a while i can't imagine how that ate you up dude like i i I can't imagine yeah definitely made uh made it hard for a long time did it mess you up in school at all it almost like you would almost statistically speaking, you would almost have to say like your grades dropped or you started almost like whatever, getting into trouble, being less engaged in the classroom. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the weird thing was that I was actually very smart and I could, I could do well in school if I wanted to. Right. <laughs> but at, at, you know, after, after all that, I'm like, I, I, I just don't, don't care about this. Yeah, like, right. I don't want to be here. Yeah. Did you make it through high school? But yeah, I became a, uh, just, just about, I went to a, uh, like a dropout prevention school. Um, 
but that, that was one of those things like it became a battle with my uncle um so he he wanted me to do this and this and this and i i was like i, I, I don't want to follow anything you say like i just want to you know do my own thing and um yeah so then it became like a contest like a I'd smoke a shitload and then come home and, you know, interact with them. And, you know, I just wanted to see how, how high I could get without actually uh, having him notice. Because oh. my eyes never got red from smoking or anything like that. So you couldn't actually tell. Huh. But. And then was there like one night when he finally did? <laughs> when, when you were able to uh, reach the tipping point? No, he ne- he he never knew. Like I, I told him all that stuff at the, uh, at the end of living with him. He's like, "Well, I guess you got you got you got some stuff over on me." Okay, man. So, and now now I'm curious about the like. So then you're almost like a nomadic worker. You like travel through seasonal stuff as a cook. Yeah, it seems to be a thing with, like, I'll be in a certain location for maybe a year or so, maybe a little little longer than that, and I'll start to get itchy and uh, look for look for new options. Gotcha. What do you look for when you're looking for those options? Whatever your spirit leads you to? Uh, just some, <laughs> something new. Yeah, something new, usually. Um one of the cool places I worked at was a, it was in Wyoming. It's called the uh, Trial Lawyer College. And for the most part, it's like um, they do big classes during July and September. And pretty much during those times, it's like a just a party retreat for lawyers. Um, oh, really? <laughs> they learn stuff, but also they, yeah, they, they learn, they learn some stuff. Um, uh, but most, a lot of times they're just partying down by the bonfire also. Um, gives you a di- different perspective on l- most lawyers that you run into or what your perceptions are. Oh, yeah, because they can actually be fun? Yeah. <laughs> Did you wind up hanging out with any of them? Or were you like a cook there so it was almost like you can't fraternize? No, def- like the month of July, when I was there, it was a blur. Um, oh shit! There was so much drinking. Like, yeah, I'd be cooking, then get off, go hang out with them at the bonfire. Sometimes, like once a week, they would go to uh, the local bar in town. And when you go to the bar, it's funny because I never re- remember having uh, an empty drink in my hand. <laughs> like every time I looked down to take a drink of it, it seemed like it was always full. And I'm like, man, these people are ninjas. Like, I get done with the drink, and apparently, I guess replaced almost immediately. And uh, yeah, it was cool not having not having to pay to get drunk. But man, that's like, why are they doing that? Why are they just like filling up drinks and hanging out? I guess they, I guess it's just nice for them to not like to let loose, huh? All the pressure they feel, all that corporate pressure. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. Right? I'd never heard of that trial lawyer college. And in Wyoming? Like, where are they coming from? Just in within the state they go to that one spot? Or do they, like, travel in from elsewhere? 
Uh, you get a lot of like LA attorneys. Um, there were, uh, you know, a couple I ran into from uh, Colorado, actually. Oh no way! My Facebook friend list has a lot, of, a lot of lawyers on it, so it's <laughs> kind of cool to have that. Have you had to um, get any consultations to help you out out of any matters? Not yet. <laughs> good to have it in reserve, though. Yeah, it's good to know you uh, can get out when you when you need to. Right. Man, so and limited Facebook stalking on my part. I've noticed just you with um, a hell of a lot of animals, and I did not expect your um, part of your money making to be cooking. I thought it was like you were like a rancher or something. Yes. Yeah, I kind of bounce around from ranching and cooking. Um, oh, so you do? Okay. I, yeah, probably, probably when I leave here, I'll uh, do some ranching. It's it's a really nice break from being in a kitchen. So. Yeah, dude, that kitchen is a grind. Is it like line cooking mostly that you yeah. do? Yeah, like right now, mostly I make uh, pizzas. And help out on the uh, like the burger side every once in a while, but usually I'm doing pizzas. Gotcha. How fancy do you get with the uh, pie tossing? Are you putting on a show for all the ladies and whatnot? No. So uh, <laughs> here we, you know, I'll make the dough and then we have a uh, pressing machine. Oh, that's and that's just, not fun. Yes, it's it's much more high paced and uh, allows for less people to actually be involved with it. So, gotcha. And are you hoping to like just kind of bounce around, be the rancher cook thing, or do you have a career goal or is a career even important to you at this point? I guess. I'd like to, you know, continue on the, uh, on this path for a while to see if it actually, uh, uh, amounts to anything down the road. Cause it, it feels like, feels like a big passionate drive all of a sudden and I wasn't really expecting it. So I'm just trying to like chill out. Like I've only been doing this for two months and I already feel like I want to take on the world and have, you know, well-known people on, you know, to talk with and blah, 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 blah. It's like, still have a lot um, to figure out. Just calm down. You know, that's right. Cause you know. also, you, you're doing a podcast so I, as well, right? Yeah, um, like I said, I was uh, I'm I'm working on my first uh, actual series, and then um, I would like to do like actual interviews or conversations, like we're having right now. Um, I hate using the word interview because that kind of like says you're going to only answer the questions that I want you to answer. Right. But um, I think it's better in this format where it's just two people kind of talking with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I, I think so, but maybe it's just a lazy way to do it because you don't have to prep as much. <laughs> you right, just do a right. little like Facebook stalking. I like for me, I'll like look through whatever person's page, listen to click on a couple of whatever links and, uh, try to get a general sense of what they're about this way. Um, I guess you find out, you start thinking in your head, like, what would you like to know for me anyway? It's like, what, what can this person what information can I get from this person that I don't have? You know? Right. Were you going to go topical? Yeah. I mean, you... uh, I guess, it, 
Well, I'm sorry, man, but like with your podcast, are you going to well, focus more on like the psychedelic aspect of it or are you just general whoever? Well, I think overall, I, I definitely want to keep the um, self-help theme, but I also want to do things that like drive people and if they found their passion or whatever, talk about that. Um, but I don't know. I had a conversation with a friend of mine in Florida and we, you know, we're old friends. So we just kind of, you know, our conversation is kind of, it's good for us, but I actually <laughs> like to uh, edit that and post it just to kind of hear like how, how, how I engage another person, I guess. Um, and to actually hear how I interact and the questions I ask and the, the way I lead things around. I think that's important for, for someone, you know, a prospective host or guest on the show later on. They might look at that and say, oh, well, he's, you know, kind of kind of like this. He has a sense of humor, blah, blah, blah. Right. Blah. Yeah, yeah, they can get a vibe of you. How, uh, how like, self-critical right. are you of yourself? Do you tend to be, like, a perfectionist? Do you tend to be more of a go-with-the-flow guy? I'm hard on myself in a way, like, I always want to improve as I go along, but I'm not like, oh, you know, I don't talk down to myself or anything. It's just like, oh, you did this wrong, learn from that, do it right, you know, do it better next time. So it's more subjective, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am introspective as far as, like, the passions or things that I'm actually interested in. So, Oh yeah. And I didn't mean it subjective. It was what I was referring to is when you said the, how you talk to yourself. Cause it's funny. Like I'll notice that even with myself, like I'm sure you could put up some fence poles. No problem, man. Well, I had to like rent an auger and I hit some tree stumps. I'd never used that fucker before. And dude, like I almost died like literally seven times. I was amazed. I, I threw out like my whole wrist hasn't been right for two weeks. My, my, my side, the thing stopped. And then the handles kicked real hard. Like I had to call for help. And I'm like, dude, I, I literally can't do it. I only got it one more day. Can you come over and help put in some fence posts and talking to myself through it? I was like, in my head, I'm saying, quit being a bitch, man, fucking man up. And you're like, right. I hit a point And I'm like, why am I being a dick to myself? <laughs> Like you need to speak nice to yourself, Sean. And it's funny to hear. And that's what I was referring to about being subjective. Cause I think that probably is a part of mental health where you can get to the point where you can accept your mistakes and move on. And you don't have to like berate yourself. And I've always wondered like what it is about me that makes me berate myself when I fuck up. I think early on, we're probably like, it's drilled into our heads that, Mistakes are a bad thing. Failure is a bad thing. So right. kind of getting over that and saying, no, you actually want mistakes and you want failure because that's the only way you can see when you're doing something wrong. Yeah. You have to you learn from it. If you're always doing things great, then you're never going to, you know, face adversity. Right. So. Yeah. 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 That's, um, yeah, it is funny. And it, it's, I don't know if it's a schooling thing or if it's like parents being worried about kids being hurt so much where they're like trying to stop kids from taking risks. I don't know, but it's definitely something I'm a teacher again. And it's something that I notice in the classroom. Kids are very self-conscious. The majority of them self-conscious about making mistakes and being judged on it. 
Yeah, and it it seems to be coming a lot from like the the TV shows that are on, and maybe the parents uh, having some unresolved issues from their childhood and imposing them on their kids. So then you end up with this vicious cycle of like that kid always being afraid of this because the parents were afraid of it when they were young. So they're kind of placing that on them. Yeah. I feel there's a term for that, right? It's not deflection, but when you um, put your fears into your child, man, see, I wish, I wish I had paid attention in psychology class. I would have been able to tell you the theory, but yeah, I mean, I've heard of it. That is an actual theory where you pass on those, um, those apprehensions to your kid. Right. Yeah. They talk a lot about it with, um, like abuse. If, if there was a kid that was abused and then, you know, they have a kid, they're more likely to abuse their kid. Right. than somebody that wasn't abused at an early age. So, right. Do you have any kids? I don't know. Okay. I didn't think so with all the travel, but I didn't want to assume. Or, or with all the LSD use as well, but I didn't want to assume. <laughs> right. Right. That actually is interesting. What would you do about the LSD use? Do you think uh, having a child would um, affect it much? Or do you think you'd like grab a babysitter and take a weekend to still kind of like deep dive into your subconscious? Oh, it's hard to say. Um, I think if I had a kid like a while ago, I probably would have never actually tried it. Um, right. You know, that would have definitely been a, you know, a very different path as far as having a kid. You probably wouldn't even like even think about considering using if you had a kid. I don't know. Yeah, man. Cause if like, that's the biggest thing. So I have a 10 year old and like, you never know when shit's going down. You know, even if like kids spend night at a friend's house, you just don't know if you're going to be needed. And, um, it's hard to just go away, you know, like that to dive into yourself through a drug, um, which would almost, I don't know if it, I guess you would know more about it. Like I, I wanted to say incoherent, but I feel like that would be kind of the wrong word to use. If you had like an emergency situation that you had to deal with, for your child and you were tripping. Yeah. Would incoherent be the wrong word to use there? Um, I've certainly had those moments where I've tried to talk to someone and nothing came out properly. (laughs) It was like a, like my own own language. I'm like, and like, Oh man, you forgot, forgot how to speak. Um, (laughs) move your tongue, open your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely don't think because uh, if you take LSD, you're you're pretty much committed to you know six to eight hours of good solid to where you're not I don't know unless, unless you just took a hit or two and you're used to it and you can function. Um, but if you if you take any more than that, you're like, okay, I'm gonna set aside this time time of day and I'm gonna work on this and this and this and then you get a call that you know your kid cut their toe off by you know acting like an astronaut and trying to plunge a pole into the ground or something they miss the ground and hit their toe instead and hey you gotta come get your kid oh man yeah right 
even just the drive. Yeah, I can imagine that being a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Do you have like I don't I don't know. I I've always heard the biological clock for women. Do you have some sort of biological reproductive clock ticking in, in you? Like the want, the desire for kids? Or are you really more focused on like you and your journey at this point? Yeah, as far as as far as kids, actually I never never really had that. I like other people's kids a lot. Um, <laughs> Creep. <laughs> Not just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't know. And, and, and kids have always, uh, shown partiality to me for some reason. Like, I don't know. We always interact and, you know, play games or whatever, like, right. And just fit in that role. But as far as like having a kid of my own, I don't know. It's never been a, never been a thing I thought about. Um, cause it's, it's a pretty big responsibility. I mean, it's, it's another life you got to take care of for quite a while and yeah i don't know no yeah and i guess part of it why i'm thinking too is i was speaking to someone else uh adam the other day and he's 42 he doesn't have any kids and he was kind of big on like this whole pushback of he feels society almost pressures or shames him because he doesn't have a kid at 42 he's like why do i need a kid who says i have to have a kid why do i have to reproduce Cause it was marketed cause it's the American dream to have a fence and a boy and a girl and you go to soccer league. Like, why is that? And it was an interesting thought. And it just made right. me think if more, if that's a common thought out there, because most of the people I know at this point in my life, I'm 39, you know, you're, you're neck deep in kids. It's just your peer group. Right. Yeah. My, my uncle always tried to uh, give give me that thing and, when I, I remember watching Fight Club for the first time and hearing that whole spiel like, well, what do I do at this age? Well, you got to go to college. Or you got to get a job. You got to have a, right. you got to get married. You got to have a kid. And that I'm like, I looked over at my buddy and I'm like, that's my uncle talking right there. Like, that's what he yeah. says to me all the time. Right. And, um, you know, it's like, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. And that's how it is. And no, no, that's not how it is. Sorry. Yeah. It's it. I don't know, man. And I really don't want to like paint you as just like the psychedelic dude or whatever. Right. But you really wonder if you can get more to your inner self and less of the marketed world. People would make so many different choices about their life. I feel. Yeah. Well, definitely like definitely makes you, think that less is more and seems the more things I get rid of I, I identify like other things I want to get rid of I'm like do you need this no you've been traveling around with it for I don't know eight years some things I have I'm like and you forgot you had it yeah so see, why do you have it that's the like, indicator right there right get if rid there, of it if there's dust on that bitch right. you got to kick it to it, the curb Yeah, dude, I'm surprised with as much as you move that you're just not like down to the back of like a F-150 or something. Uh, yeah, at this point, pretty much my life is in the hatchback of my Subaru. <laughs> and then um, like I can I can actually pull into a rest stop or something and sleep, sleep in my backseat. Um, so it's kind of like I, I drive for a while and then sleep at a rest stop on a on a on a couch 
Right? God. The freedom. The traveling nomad that is Antonio. Yeah, feels good. Yeah, no doubt. Well, because especially if you're craving like that change, you know, and if you're craving that seeking, man, if you're on that journey and it sounds like what you want to do, man, you can do it just about anywhere. I grew up working in restaurants too. And like, that's, it's, it's a great transferable skill. If you can speak at the language of the region you're in, you can kind of always make money as a bartender or server or a cook. Yeah, it's pretty much universal as far as the uh, restaurant industry. Right. Um, well, Antonio, let me get you out of here on this. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Do you know the last question asked on all of my podcasts? I don't. Yes. Nobody does. Actually, only one person. Shout out, Kristen. To date, has known what's coming. And you've already told a bunch of good stories, man. It's kind of low pressure. Don't, uh, don't feel it. I just like to build it up. But I end the podcast by asking the guest to share their best first for last. We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. Uh, how, how, how about my, uh, my first time getting laid? <laughs> Love it. Go for that. Uh, t- tell me you All weren't right. 10. All right. So um, I was 18 and I was introduced to strip clubs for oh, the first shit. time. And I became hooked on that. I'm like, oh man, you get to see women naked all the time and you can just walk in and you know, pay five bucks at the door or whatever and see naked women all night. That's, that's great. Um, so one, one of the, uh, after going there for probably about four months or so. Oh my God, you became a regular. One of the strippers kind of took a shine at, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, one of the strippers took a shine to me. And she was like, oh, do you want to dance? I said, no, I'm good. I got, you know, I got a girl that I get dances from. And she's like, oh, you're, you're kind of tough. I'll come back to you later. So she did. She came back over, started talking to me. And uh, we kind of hit it off. And she wanted to start doing stuff outside of the bar. And uh, oh, I was like, oh, okay. And... Can I ask at that time, so being an eighteen-year-old boy, does it? Are, are you at all bothered that, like, whatever? For simplicity, you're dating a stripper, or are you just seeing it as like cool as hell? Like, yo, I'm dating a stripper. Well, I thought I thought it was cool, and uh, <laughs> would you still think it was cool to this day? Like right now, at your point in your life, would you date a stripper? Uh, well, I would have. I wouldn't have changed anything about that, but no, like currently I wouldn't, gotcha. I wouldn't date somebody in the strip club industry. Um, <laughs> the adult entertainment industry. And, yeah. And she was, she was like 35 probably. Oh um, man. And the, after that too, I've always liked older, older women. So influential. It's probably a definite, uh, definite reason for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I told her, I told her it'd be my first time and she, she was actually, she got even more excited about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we went out for dinner and drinks and then, um, do you just look really old? Tampa. How are you getting, dr- is she buying the drinks for you and like sneaking them to you or do you just look really old or nobody yeah, cares? No, 
she 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 was buying the drinks. Gotcha. Um. So we got done with that, and this was in Tampa, and I was about an hour away in uh, the St. Pete area in Florida. And she's like, "Well, I mean, we can drive back to your place, but then you have to drive me back and you know drop me off and all this, or we can just uh, find a place here in town and uh, you know just have sex in your car." I was like, "Okay, let's do that." So. <laughs> The, Can, the, uh, let me ask you one thing. Is this like, do you know it's a definite after dinner that this is happening? Like this has been the plan the whole time, like spoken about, or it just gets dropped? Oh, so, yeah, it's a hundred percent. No, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine like 18 um, year old dude being like, I'm going to have my first time after dinner tonight. And like waking up that morning being like, yeah, tonight I lose my virginity. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, was, I was i was super excited that whole day um so the interesting part was like the pull-off section where decided to do it um so we went i turned off at a uh a kfc restaurant nice went to Great the stuff. back went to the back area where there was like it was like a little, like a mini lawn thing. So parked out there right under a tree in complete darkness so nobody could see. So we had KFC on the left side. And then on the right-hand side, there was like a apartment complex. And, you know, the car got extra heated. Uh, we were <laughs> like sweating. So we, we she's like, oh, let's, let, let's take this outside. It's get, getting way too hot in here. So... Um, right over the trunk of my car, that's where everything finished up. And in the meantime, you got people at the KFC drive through and then you got people coming around the apartment complex and I'm like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It was a, it was a surreal experience for my first time, but like, wait, like legit yeah, viewers, people were just like eating a chicken wing or a leg watching. Or you mean they were just going in and I out? I mean, yeah, no, like nobody noticed or nobody was paying attention or taking <laughs> pictures with the phone or anything. But um, it, was, it, it was a definite thing. My my head was on, on a swivel while I was having sex. So it was, it was kind of adding that stress and uh, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> Did you uh, continue to develop a relationship <laughs> with her? Or was that like that? It then you never spoke to her again. No, I was a little fling, and um, it was weird. Like after after that, I'm like, all of a sudden, I was cured of going to strip clubs, and I wanted like, I was I was better at actually interacting with you know the girls around me instead of going to those places. So yeah, I've man, I've never. But, I don't know. I've honestly, I've never been to a strip club. And um, I, I just saw it as so like futile. Like it just seems like just a money pit. I don't. I've 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 always been challenged to understand the appeal. Although I mean I get the appeal, but I've never um, never seen it as a thing to do. I can't believe you like that was your first man, a thirty-five year old stripper. <laughs> yeah. Did she have a stripper yeah. name? Is that a is that an asshole question to ask? Like was her name Candy or some shit like that? No, it was Marissa. 
Uh, <laughs> man. Friends with her on but, Facebook? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that would be so odd. God, good for you, man. Dude, that was good. I definitely didn't expect that, Antonio. Well, I wasn't expecting that question. So <laughs> that was that was the first thing that popped in my head. That's why I like it, dude. That's why I like the concept. It kind of, I try to challenge people like, you have to think of something when the words are there. So just go with what you feel, right? Like let the spirit lead you. Um, and best first for last. That's definitely right. a first. <laughs> well, Antonio, cool. man, thank you so much for dealing with the audio issues, the delays. Um, thanks for being so open. Thanks for um, just agreeing to come on, man, and letting people get to know you. It was really nice chatting with you, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. And I've now become an right. expert on the subject I like most. Thanks to Antonio for coming on the pod, telling some amazingly trippy, a little scary, fucking guns and acid. Thank God he's alive. <laughs> amazingly trippy stories and dealing with all of the um, audio issues we had to go through. Uh, after you listen to this, go to Spotify, search Finding the God Spark. That's his writing. Check it out. Let him know what you think. Also, thank you to AndrePsyche.com for sponsoring the Getting to Know You pod. Listeners, go to AndrePsyche.com for some trippy merch. That's worth checking out. And if you haven't already, please friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The word of the pod. We may have to change this to the phrase of the pod. So we'll say phrase or word of the pod. Goonie Goo Goo. Goonie Goo Goo. And if you grew up watching uh, Eddie Murphy comedy specials, you'll get it. It is both situationally appropriate for the tales we heard and just fucking hilarious. Goonie Goo Goo. Post that word or phrase on any of our social media sites or Tag the Getting to Know You pod while you use it on one of yours, and you will get a shout-out on our next podcast. Also, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Getting to Know You pod. We're on Apple, Spotify, or any podcast platform. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to get more views, clicks, purchases, partner with us. I tried to ad-lib that. I don't know if it's the best. I think I'm better when I stay on script. Basically, we are a growing podcast with an expanding audience. And if you are looking to capitalize on that, get up with us through any of our social media platforms. We'll get back to you. And we'd love to partner with you. Bye.